Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn once again to the book of Jude, the book of Jude. This little letter, second last book in the New Testament, the book of Jude. And it is our plan this morning to wrap up this book this morning. Any forgetful people in this morning? Ever walk into a room and wonder why you got in there and then start wondering whether you were coming into the room or whether you were leaving the room or what's going on? All right. Our tendency as humans is towards forgetfulness. We forget things, especially big things, important things. We need constant reminders. And so Jude turns our attention to that very reality. This morning then we want to look at the sermon entitled, Remember. We look at the nation of Israel with all of the miracles that they saw and yet they forgot seemingly how great and good God was. And we have been recipients of the greatest miracle, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the redemption of our souls. We often forget the same thing. And so Jude wants us to remember. I don't know if you've noticed, but it's getting increasingly more difficult to believe and speak the truth in our society. And we know that, and we know that that is the case and was going to be the case, but oftentimes we forget. And so Jude wants us to remember. As promised, we looked at the issue last week. Now we want to look at the solution this morning. So Jude, beginning to read at verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. This is the word of God this morning. In the first place, then, what Jude wants us to remember is the predictions that were given to us by the apostles. And so remember the predictions. In verse 17, we find their source. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are not prognostications from the periphery. These are predictions from the inner circle. These are not people just making random statements and throwing them up on social media. These are those that lived uh, 
worked with, ministered alongside of, spoke with, communicated with Jesus Christ himself. And so the source is reliable. What is their prediction? Their prediction is that things are not going to get better, but that things are going to get worse. And what is going to increase is what is always potentially increasing in our hearts and the hearts of those around us is arrogance. Notice in the first place then the presence of arrogance. In the last time there will be scoffers. Individuals that know the truth, but deny the truth and mock the truth. Jude has introduced us to them already. They blaspheme the glorious ones, and what they do not understand, they blaspheme. They mock truth, and they mock the one who is the truth. These individuals have always existed, and they will exist until the end. There is coming a time, Paul says, that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But until that time, there will be people in their arrogance that deny God and his word. Notice what is at the heart of arrogance, following their own ungodly passions. Where does this come from? This comes from, I want to do what I want to do. And that messy thing called the truth just is getting in my way. And so what am I going to do? I'm going to deny it. I'm going to downplay it. I'm going to twist it. And I'm going to mock it. Jude says these individuals are here. They have always been. Then they will increase in the last days. At the root, at the foundation of all that is going on in our society right now, all of the different ideologies, ways of thinking, all the things that are celebrated in our culture. At the end of all of them, at the base of all of them, that are not for the glory of God, are all for the glory of self. It, it, it is simplistic in the sense that it's easy to understand that where this comes from is, but that's how I feel. That's what I want. I desire this. And so I'm going to do it. And if someone tells me that I shouldn't, or that I can't, or that it offends God, or that it's against the truth, I will mock it. And so we find a lot of shame in our culture that is attempted to be heaped on those who know and love and speak and walk in the truth. Where is it coming from? It's not coming from the truth. It's coming from sinful desires. So what is the result of arrogance? It is these who cause divisions. What is one of the watchwords of our society? It used to be tolerance. I would submit that one of the watchwords of our society currently is unity. Let's all be united. Why can't we all just get along? And those that are holding to the truth are viewed as the impediment to unity. If you just let me do what I want to do, there wouldn't be a problem. But you have to tell me that what I'm doing is against God's word, and that's a problem for me. You're being divisive. And Jude would remind us the opposite is true. Those that know the truth, those that know who is the truth, God Almighty, those that know his word and obey it, they are the ones who have unity. It is the others who are causing division. They are walking away from the truth. They are dividing away from the truth and going off in their own direction. And then what is the character of arrogance? These are worldly people and they are devoid 
of the Spirit. They do not have God's Holy Spirit in them, and they are proving that by living a life contrary to who the Holy Spirit is and who he draws them into. And so Jude says, to remind us of what he has already said in verses 1 through 16, these individuals exist. But before we move on from this point, please understand that they do not just exist out there. There is the potential in every one of our hearts for this to exist in here. Every time we sin, we practically scoff at God and his word and his standards. Every time we sin, we follow our own ungodly passions and not in obedience to God. Every time we sin, we are breaking fellowship with him and with those who are following his way. And every time we sin, we are acting like the world and acting like we do not have the Holy Spirit of God, even though we do. And so lest we sit here in some sort of judgmental attitude to those outside, understand that Jude is really looking at all of us to say this heart of arrogance still beats even within those who name the name of Christ. And so be aware, be cautious, be awake, be alert. We are all in need of the grace and mercy of God. All right, you are dismissed. Be warmed and filled. What do we do then? Where is the hope? What is our response to this? Is the same that it's always been? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ lived out. And so Jude says in the second place then, remember the foundations. Yes, it's getting worse. And yes, we are still struggling even as God's people. So where is the solution? The solution is in the gospel of Jesus Christ where it has always been. Remember the foundations. Remember the truth. Skip if you were to verse 21 because there are three verbal participles, three actions that we do, but there is one imperative, one command. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. That is the command that comes from Jude. And the other three things that are in verses 20 and 21 are what we do in support of that. Now read that on its own and it sounds like what Jude is saying at first blush. Try really, really hard to keep yourself saved. Keep yourself in the love of God. As if, thanks Jesus, but I'll take it from here. And far too many of us have heard that preached and we've believed that and that is not what Jude is saying. Go back with me if you would to verse 1. What does he say? To those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. And what does he say in verse 24? Now to him who is able to keep you. Jude is not contradicting himself by saying, keep yourselves in the love of God. He is not turning the focus onto us and saying, now it's on you to do this. No, what is he saying? What does he mean when he says, keep yourselves in the love of God? Remind yourself that you are loved by God. Remind yourself that you are kept by God. Remind yourself of what God did for you in Jesus Christ by the Spirit. Remind yourself continually, daily, of who God is and how he views you, his relationship with you. God is the one who initiated relationship with us. We did not love him first. He loved us first. And then we love him. We do not keep ourselves. He keeps us. And the one who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is all him, it is not us. So Jude is not saying, now it's on you. What is he saying? Remind yourself, remember that God loves you. How do we do that? Three things Jude mentions to us. Go back up to verse 20. 
building yourselves up in your most holy faith. Build yourself up in the faith. How do you do that? The daily, regular means of grace. Read the Word of God. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Marinate in the Word of God. Know the truth of God's Word. Memorize the Word of God. Sing the Word of God. Read the Word of God. Read it to others. Read it together. Study it together. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. We have available for you on the way out. They were on the, on the way in, but you didn't know. The Robert Murray Shane Bible Reading Plan. It's a single sheet. If you want the fuller version, we can certainly get those for next week as well. But it's a single sheet. The Bible reading plan that we have promoted here at Grace Baptist for the last four or five years, it takes you through the New Testament and the, the Psalms twice and the Old Testament once in a calendar year. It is a fantastic tool. Use it. Be in God's Word. Pray, which is the next one. We'll get there in just a moment. Surround yourself with others who know the truth, love the truth, speak the truth to themselves and to you. Encourage yourself in the faith. Remind yourself of who God is and what he has done. Remind yourself of his love. When it looks dark, remind yourself of him who is the light. That's the second one. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray. Consistently communicate with God as he is consistently communicating with you through his word. Prayer. Pray privately. Pray with others. Pray out loud. Pray silently. Pray Go to God in communication. And then lastly, thirdly, wait in the hope of eternal life. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. The work that God has begun in you, he will complete it the day of Jesus Christ. And the work that he is doing to remake creation to the way that it was when he declared it very good, God has not ceased that work. God has not thrown his hands up, I'm out, I'm done, this can't be cleaned up. God is working to clean up our mess, and he has begun that work in Jesus Christ, and he is doing that work, and he will complete that work one day. We have hope that one day there will be the new heavens and the new earth in which sin will be eradicated and all glory will be to God. That day is coming. And so at this time of year, we're waiting. The people before Christ came were waiting for him. Would the Messiah come? He was prophesied throughout the prophets. Malachi and Micah and Isaiah and so many others prophesied the coming of the Messiah. Where is his coming, the scoffers would say. And for 400 years, no prophecy, no prophetic word from the Lord. And then he came. Our God is a promise-making and a promise-keeping God. Christ came. When the time was just right, Galatians 4.4, God sent forth his son. Jesus came. Before he left, he told his disciples he would come back. He made a promise. He will keep that promise. And so we are waiting. We are waiting for him to come and right all wrongs, to bring justice into a world that is rife with injustice, to eradicate sin, and to cause all things to be like he is, full of love and peace and joy and contentment, Grace, mercy, gentleness, goodness, kindness, righteousness, holiness. One day it will be like that, and so we wait. But what do we do while we're waiting? Do we just sit around and read God's word and pray and twiddle our thumbs? No, there is work to be done, and we will get to that in just a moment.
But before we leave this point, recognize that our trust is in the triune God. Did you see all three members of the Trinity there? Holy Spirit, love of God, mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the triune nature of the writers of Scripture. They see God for who He is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working sovereignly their plan out in time and in space, and they are working in the hearts of humans to change them and transform them to become more like Him. God is at work. He is not on vacation. He has not left us aside. He is not indifferent to our pleas. He is actively at work. And so, in the third place then, we need to remember the community. The community of humanity and our community of faith. What is our tendency when things go bad? When things go south and things are not right, things are not stable, things are not good, what do we normally do? We retreat in. We circle the wagons, draw close to us all those that are closest to us, and we hunker down and we ride out the storm. And what does Jude remind us of? As we have been shown mercy, in the waiting, we have an obligation to show mercy. Christ left us with a job. Make disciples. And so, mercy, verses 22 and 23. Have mercy on those, show mercy with fear. It is all about showing mercy. And in verse 21, we are waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been shown mercy, and so we are to show mercy. There are three types of individuals that Jude says we should show mercy to. Notice in verse 22, and have mercy on those who doubt. There ought to be great mercy for the doubters. We have a lot of doubters. There are individuals that you went to school with, that no longer attend church, that now hate God, mock Him and mock you for loving Him and still coming and serving. There are co-workers, family members, who have doubts. Far too often, we handle those with doubts dismissively. We've grown up perhaps in a church environment where anybody who doubts the truths of the faith are treated with derision and repulsion. How dare you question God? And what happens to those individuals? Does that draw them in to learn more of him and his beauty and his majesty? No, what does it do? It pushes them away. Where have we been guilty of pushing away the doubters because of our harshness? Jude says, God has shown mercy to us. Are we showing mercy to others? Our tendency is to shun to, to be repulsed by, to push away those who doubt. And Jude says, have mercy on them. Have mercy on the disobedience. First part of verse 23. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. If you can recall some campfires from this past summer, which seems on a morning such as this, but a distant memory. If you drop something into that fire, your precious marshmallow, soon to be a s'more, or something else, there's a very short window of opportunity you have to snatch that out of the fire with minimal damage. If you do not, it will be burned up. Understand that there are individuals who are currently actively disobeying God, 
But while they take a breath, there is a time and there is an opportunity to snatch them out of the fire. They need God's mercy. Are we going to be the agents of that mercy? Are we going to go to them and call them out of disobedience into obedience? Are we going to call them to repentance from their disobedience? And are we going to save them out of the fire? Grace Baptist, we should not wish the fires of God's judgment. We should not wish hellfire on anyone, not even our worst enemy. It does not matter what someone has said about you or to you or done to you. No matter how grievously they have harmed you and spoken to you, no one, no one would we wish to be under God's judgment for eternity. If we have the opportunity, as we have the opportunity, yes, they are disobedient, and our typical response to them is to leave them on the outside. And Jude says, we have received God's mercy, share that mercy with others while the time is nigh. And lastly, mercy for the hardened. To others, show mercy but with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This is an individual who has been in sin so long, their clothing is now stained by it, and they have had the stench of sin on them for so long, they're no longer bothered by it. And Jude uses analogies and word pictures from Zechariah. Take some time this afternoon to read chapters 1, 3, 4 of Zechariah. The nation of Israel is stained by sin. The high priest is stained by sin. And God in his mercy changes out these soiled garments for fresh garments made of white linen, pure and holy. There are individuals that have been rolling around in their sin so long that what started out as them being in control has now moved into them not being in control, which shows the truth that they were never in control, and now their sin is controlling them. And whether that's an addiction of some kind or just the given over to sin, their garment is stained by it, and Jude says, have mercy on them as well, but notice with fear for two things. One, Galatians 6, 1 and following, that as you show mercy on someone who is wholly given over to sin... Be careful that you are not sucked into that sin yourself. Number two, Jesus says in Matthew 7, be careful not to cast your pearls before swine. We are not in any way calling a sinner a pig. We're not using, that's not the point of it. The analogy that Christ is using is to say, there is a time and there are ways to share Christ, the glories of the gospel with individuals, but there is a time when they have rejected it so often and so vehemently that we also need to be careful. So Jude says, show mercy, but with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Let me ask you, who have you given up on? Who in your family have you stopped praying for? Who in your friend group have you started to avoid? Thanks be to God, he does not do that with us. God, our Heavenly Father, is never exasperated by us. Ugh! There's one in every family. Every family's got the kid, and that's the kid. What am I going to do with this kid? They keep sinning the same way. They've been sinning for years. They don't listen. They're obstinate. They're arrogant. What am I going to do with that kid? That is not our Heavenly Father. With us, and it should not be us with others. Have mercy, Jude says. We have been recipients of mercy. 
So do not hold that mercy in for ourselves, but display that mercy to others. In moments of the greatest darkness, the light shines the brightest. And that is who we are, not because we are better, more talented, or more intelligent than anyone else, but simply because we are recipients of God's grace, we ought to bring that grace to others. And what is the final thing we ought to remember? We ought to remember the one true God, this beautiful doxology that Jude ends his letter with. Notice, remember the one true God that keeps his own, not him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Thanks be to God that he is the one that keeps us from falling away. We would be the ones who are doubting, disobedient, and hardened if it were not for his grace. Thanks be to God for the conviction that he brings. Do not ever despise God's conviction in your life. Thank God for trials and tribulations that he brings to bring us back to him. Thank God that he loves us enough to continually bring us to places where he is all we have to remind us that he is all we ever need Thanks be to him that he is the one that will keep us from stumbling. The only reason you are here listening to truth or watching online and not doing something else or being somewhere else is because of the grace of God. You are not better than anyone else who is not following God's truth. You are simply a sinner saved by God's grace. And thanks be to God that as a saint, he is bringing you all the way home. The good work that he's begun in you, he will complete it, which brings us to the second place. God transforms his children, present you blameless, before the presence of his glory. It is true that God's love is unconditional, and it is true in a sense that God loves us as we are, but do not ever let yourself stop there because God's love doesn't. It is simply untrue to say, whoever I am, God's loving me. No, God's love is intended to bring you closer to him. God's love has a purpose. God's love has a plan. God's love has a trajectory. No one impacted by the love of God can remain the same. It is simply a lie of the devil to say, I have been impacted by the overwhelming grace and mercy of God, and yet my desires and my life continues on the exact same as it was before I met him, or better, he met me. It's impossible. Yes, his love is unconditional. And yes, he loves us where we are at, but he loves us enough to bring us to him and to transform us. And his plan is to present us sinless and blameless in his presence and in his glory. And notice, he rejoices over his own with great joy. God is not disappointed with us in the sense that he begrudgingly sticks with us. Well, I picked that one. Probably wouldn't have had to do it over again, but what are you going to do? The run to the litter, I guess I'll keep going. Do not ever think that that is how God thinks because it is not. What he does, he does with great joy because he is joy. He defines joy for us. He rejoices over us. And when the Father speaks from heaven and says, this is my beloved son, I am well pleased with him. If you are in Christ this morning, he says that about you. Your father's proud of you. Don't ever forget that. He has work to do in you, but he does it with joy. And notice we will worship him then for eternity. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. We'll be worshiping God for all of eternity because of all that he has done for us and all that he means to us.
And so Grace Baptist Church, those that are here this morning and those that are watching online, please understand and remember this. Times are not going to get easier, they're going to get harder. And with the passage of new legislation this week in our nation, things did just get harder yet again. For those who believe the truth, live the truth, and speak the truth. But our God has not stepped off the throne. Our God does not take naps. Our God does not turn his back. Our God is still who he's always been. And the solution to humanity's issues is the same as it's always been. We are sinners in need of a Savior. There is one and only one. His name is Jesus Christ. And if we repent and believe and trust in him, he will save us, he will sanctify us, and he will glorify us. And it is this message, praise the Lord, that we preach, that we believe, that we speak, and that we in mercy bring to those around us. Don't ever forget this. Remember the foundations. Remember the truths of God's word. And share the truths of God's word in mercy. And know that as we praise him as we have done this morning, we will be praising him for all of eternity. What is our response then this morning? Our response is to remember who we are in Christ. Do not ever forget who you are in Jesus Christ. A blood-bought sinner that God has made a saint moving to become more like him each and every day, to worship him, to adore him, to praise him, and to bring and call others to do the same. That is our task. It has not changed, regardless of the atmosphere in which we do it. And so let us be busy, being mercy displayers, mercy givers in the world around us, especially to those who do not deserve it. Because if they deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. We don't deserve it either. We don't give good gifts just to those who deserve it. We give mercy and grace to all because we have been given mercy and grace. Let's look to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, we come before your throne and we are thankful. We are thankful that as the days grow darker, your light shines ever brighter. We are thankful for the lights, even as we celebrate during this time of year. The light has come, Jesus Christ the righteous. But he came to live righteously, die sacrificially, rise triumphantly, and ascend gloriously. And all, Father, to secure our reconciliation with you and our redemption from sin. Your love is almost, in fact it is, too much for us to fathom. It is so great. And far too often, Father, we get it wrong and we forget. Help us to remember. We have been the recipients of your grace. Help that not to fade over time. But help us to grow deeper in our relationship with you and to call others into the same. We have an opportunity during this time of year to share with our neighbors and family and friends, co-workers, fellow students, the glorious reality of this time of year. This celebration is not too over the top. It's not over the top enough because of who you are and what you have done. And so, Father, help us to be your lights in an ever-darkening world, to let people know 
that chasing their desires is a road that leads to destruction, leads to disappointment, is already slavery. They just can't see it and don't want to believe it. Open their hearts and minds, Father. And may you use us to speak words of truth to them. In love we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.